When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy movie adaptations like 365 Days. Yep, we're talking about the movie and it was... Hmm. Like, I don't want to say that I expected it to be any good at all because, I mean, look at the source material. But I was really hoping that it would clear up some of the confusion I had with the book and I just, I think I was left more confused. I encourage you all to watch it. If you haven't watched it yet, press pause, go give it a watch. You will be disappointed by some of the changes. For instance, she doesn't have a brother. The whole wedding scene with the, with the ex that tries to date Ray Barr and then Massimo kills him doesn't happen. Doesn't happen at all. We don't get any clarification on her heart condition. I was hoping that we'd see a scene of her having heart surgery which is implied in the books, but it could also have been a dream. We don't get that here. So I'm, I'm left even more confused about that. And the ending, bleh, bleh. I mean, we can talk about it when we get to it, but are they implying that she's dead? <laughs> I think, I think they want us to think that she's dead without showing us the accident or anything. It, uh, I'll talk you through it when it comes to it, but it was just like, what are you trying to get at here? Not enough Domenico, clearly not enough Domenico, but I suppose the majority of scenes are there. You know, we get the boat scene, which was just hilarious. I haven't laughed that hard all year. If you're not going to watch the whole thing, just go to my Instagram at Breaking Down Bad Books and look at the video that I filmed of my TV where she falls off the boat. Like in the book, she sort of like stumbles down a few steps onto a yacht. But on this one, it's just like she's trying to run away from Massimo. So she heads to the front of the boat. Like, what's your escape plan here, Laura? Why are you heading to the front of the boat? And he like is talking to her and she's pushing him away. And then she just flops over the railing and falls like (laughs) head first into the water. Oh, it's funny. It's very, very funny. But yeah, we, we get all the highlights. We get like the stripper pole, the Venetian ballroom, the small breasts. We get the small breasts. We get the montage of them shopping and going to Victoria's Secret in the changing room. A lot of montages in this movie, I must say. They really leaned into the montage trope quite heavily. I think maybe because they were insinuating that it does take a fair few months. But we know the plot is only two months. We know that. But I think in the movie, they're like, you know what? We called it 365 days. Let's stretch it out a bit. Let's pad that shit out. So let's get 
into it, I'll just talk you through, I mean, kind of scene by scene, but also I'm going to skip a lot of what happened because, you know, there's a lot of filler. It is just such a shit film. But we start quite interestingly. They try and frame it with, you know, the incident with Massimo where he went into the coma and then first had the vision of Laura, who has the most nondescript face, by the way. I don't know how he was like, this face is etched into my mind and he's got portraits of her hanging up in his castle because I couldn't have picked her out of a lineup. I'm sorry, she just had such a plain Jane face that I could walk past her on the street and not recognize her. I'm sorry. So we start at the island of Lampedusa with this little fortress in the Mediterranean Sea. And I was thinking, what the hell is this? I've never heard of any island of Lampedusa. So it's like the two mob families having a little meeting and they're talking about like human sex trafficking. And these guys to Massimo's dad are like, it's quite good merchandise. We can, we can set one aside for you. Some of them are barely 12. Uh, disgusting. And I was thinking, is this Massimo's business? Like, I just assumed it was cocaine or something. But is he human trafficking? And then Massimo's dad's like, I'm going to go talk to my, my son who's got binoculars and he's just staring randomly at some, some chick in a blue dress in the waves. This is what confused me. In the book, he, he gets shot and he goes in the coma and that's when he sees the vision. But he's staring at her before he's even shot. He's like perfectly well and he's staring at some random bimbo on the beach. But, but it's not a vision. It's not a vision because she's really there because then the dad's looking through the binoculars and says, oh, be careful, son. Um, you know a, a, what a woman's like. It'll send you poor or something sexist like that. So, so they're having the vision prior to the accident. And by accident, I mean them getting shot. <laughs> and this guy, Mario, we finally get some clarity on who Mario is, I guess, because he's there doing the deal as well. Don't know why they didn't try and kill Mario. Mario survived the shootout. So then the dad gets shot and the bullet goes through his heart and also hits Massimo. So that's his backstory all tied up. But how he had the vision before the shooting, ah, the mind boggles. Was Laura actually at the island of Lampedusa or, or is he just mentally unwell? Is he mentally unwell having these visions? And then they do like an aerial shot of the fortress where, you know, Massimo and his dad are bleeding out, but like they've laid down a tarp. They've laid down a tarp. And I can only assume that's to collect the blood because they didn't want to get the blood on the floor if they were shooting on location. And I'm like, I can see the tarp, guys. Did the director think they'd like green screen that out or something later? But like, I can see the tarp. And then it's five years later and we're in San Fran. We're in San Fran all of a sudden. And they're not even showing us like the Golden Gate Bridge. They've just got like a panning shot of, of a different type of bridge in San Fran. And I'm like, there's your missed opportunity, guys. And we get this scene of like Massimo doing this business deal for the mob in San Fran. And then Laura defending her decision at this like crisis meeting for whatever hotel she works at. And the people at the hotel are like, how could you, Laura? And she's like, we're booked out until next spring because of what I did. And they're making out like she's this big high flyer. Very unclear what the crisis was but they're just establishing that she's just like at the top of her career. But in the book, she, she quits or something. She quits and that's why she can just, you know, live in Sicily for a year without anyone noticing. But I guess in the film, she's still got her job in this hotel business because she's so good at it. And yet they don't notice that she's gone missing. And then we cut to them in their cars, driving home from these meetings. And Laura's doing like a little sexy Snapchat with her bra. 
And then Massimo's looking at some other sexy Snapchat from someone called Anna. Ultimately quite pointless, but I think they're building up, you know, their sexual appetites. And Laura gets back to her apartment and Martin's just schlubbing about on the couch. He's got a TV show on, but he's also got headphones on. And he's also doing work on his laptop with his feet up and having a beer. And there's like two empty pizza boxes. And the film makes out like Martin's this terrible person, but I'm like, let the man put his feet up and have a beer and some pizza. What's so wrong? Is that a crime? But then she's like, oh, do you want to go have sex? And he's like, no. (laughs) And she's so upset about that. So she goes to bed and she rubs one out. Meanwhile, we're on the plane. Remember that horrible plane scene where Massimo assaults that poor flight attendant? Well, in the book, you know how there was like a room within the plane, like they went to a separate private room. Well, in the movie, it's just a, it's just a drawn curtain. It is just a flimsy, non-soundproofed curtain between Massimo getting his dick sucked and I guess Mario, his uncle, perhaps? Is Mario his uncle? I don't know, but his brother, Domenico, who, who could still be gay. We don't know if he's gay or straight in the adaptation. Not enough Domenico. That's, that's one of my major gripes. But yeah, they're just on the other, other side of the curtain while Massimo's going to town on this poor girl's mouth and she's still crying. She's crying. But then as soon as he leaves, she's smiling to the camera. Oh boy, a lot going on. And then we're on holiday in Sicily and Martin's doing this cringe toast to Laura for her birthday. Meanwhile, the other girl that was there, can't remember her name, she's just on her phone all night, just Instagram storying everything. And I'm like, God, what a vapid person. Doesn't seem like a fun time. And then Martin gets up and gives this huge speech in Polish and makes everyone sing along to the Polish happy birthday. And everyone else is just listening along and singing along. And I was like, these guys are probably Italian. They don't speak Polish. Like if you're just at a restaurant and someone gets up and starts making a birthday toast in another language, you're not obliged to listen in, but they're all staring at him and nodding as if they know what he's saying. Unless in the adaptation, they bring along 12 friends to Sicily. That's the only explanation for it. Or we're just staying at the most popular hotel for Polish people in all of Sicily. Ah, And it's also like an outdoor restaurant. Like, okay. And then she bumps into Massimo, just like she does in the book, on her way to the toilet. And he's like, are you lost, baby girl? And I know when I was reading it, I was like, baby girl, baby girl. <laughs> like it didn't sound attractive and hot when I did it, but he's like, baby girl. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of hot. It's kind of hot, but that was their fleeting little meat cute. We didn't see Massimo notice her at the airport. So if you hadn't read the book, you'd, you'd be like, wait, what's going on? But we've read the book. So we know that she looks like the girl in his visions or as according to the movie, the girl on the beach in the blue dress who's just on this random island. So it's the next day. It's her birthday. They're by the pool. She doesn't know where Martin is. Martin's still being a dropkick. And he comes over and she pushes him in the pool and she storms off. That's the fight. And then she's wandering around the streets of Taormina. She's just running down these dark alleys. Taormina is just the most abandoned place I've ever seen. And that's when she bumps into someone, one of Massimo's men. And he says, good evening. And it fades to black. And we're just led to presume that she's been kidnapped. Same with the book. It just fades to black and we don't get to see it. But also like the fade to black thing sort of implying that she's been drugged. But like how? She hasn't, she hasn't been drugged yet. No needle, no pills, no like rag pushed in front of her mouth to make her pass out. We just fade to black with her being like, oh, hello. <laughs> then she wakes up in the mansion. 
And Massimo's mansion, man, um, it's just, it's just stone with lots of rugs and the same lamp. He's just got eight of the exact same giant ugly floor lamps just scattered around the castle. He needs a new interior design team, I must say. So she wakes up, she's running around, she's walking past all of those lamps, and there's Massimo, and she's like, you? And he's like, it's me, baby girl. And she sees the big portrait of herself. (laughs) I'm surprised she recognised herself with her nondescript face, because I would not have. And of course he sneaks up on her. So that carries over from the books. Her never noticing her surroundings, that carries over. And it's at this point where Massimo's like, oh, I saw you at the airport and I just saw you on the day that my dad got shot at the beach. And we get a flashback to his car driving past Laura at the airport. And he's like, oh my God, there's that girl from the beach. And he says, when the bullet hit, hit my heart or whatever, I, I saw you, I had a vision of you. And no, that's not the case. We saw you looking out through the binoculars prior to the attack. Oh, anyway, he tells Laura, yeah, I've been searching for you all my life. Still coming on too strong, Massimo. And Laura's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> she says, nobody owns me. I'm nobody's object. Well, we'll see how long that lasts, Laura. She does at least pull a gun on him. You know, I'm proud of her spunk, but of course she gets overpowered. And then Mario and Domenico are like, uh, excuse me, there's been a delivery that you need to sign for. AKA, some guy you're torturing in the basement needs your attention. Because you remember how he shot that guy in the driveway and Laura saw it and she had a little heart episode? Well, that still happens, but it's this guy who's down in the basement, like tied up against this big slab of rock. And Massimo's like interrogating him. But then we cut to Laura in the middle of the night trying to break free or whatever. And she runs out to the driveway and that's when she sees him get executed. Like he was just locked up in the basement. Why did you carry him up to the driveway? (laughs) Why didn't you just do that in the basement? Oh, unclear. And so then she's, you know, she passed out and she's waking up again. So that carries over from the books as well. All of the passing out and waking up and blah, blah, blah. And Massimo's there to greet her shirtless. Massimo is very hot. The guy playing Massimo is a hot, attractive person. Still a trash film. Still a trash film. And then it's the next day. I don't know if this is quicker than it was in the books, but she seems to be like coming around to her new situation quite quickly because it's the next day and she's having breakfast with Domenico. You know how she hates eating. That's, that's still present. And then that same day they're going shopping. I don't think that was like the next day that they were going shopping. But she already knows about the 365 day ultimatum. Well, it's not really an ultimatum. It's, you know, kidnapping and holding her against her will. But she already knows about that. She's trying on all these clothes at all these different stores and she's loving it. And then it's a montage. It's a shopping montage, which we all love. And she's walking around buying lots of shit. And the two security guards are having to carry all of the bags. Great piece of comedy where one of the security guards drops one of the boxes. And then Massimo picks it up and he's like, you're still holding it, mate. And he puts it on the guy's pile. Oh, those poor guys. And then she's in the Victoria's Secret dressing room. The, the most luxurious, biggest dressing room in the whole entire world. And Massimo comes in and stares at her body in lingerie. The, the skankiest lingerie I've ever seen. Like, I think the bras had like a little nipple hole for the nipples. Oh, TMI. TMI. And, you know, he choke holds her in the dressing room. Very romantic. And then she, you know, makes her escape. 
and she sees these two little policemen and she's like, help, I've been kidnapped. And they're like, what? And they just look at her confused. And then Massimo's there and they're like, oh, hi, Massimo. And then they walk off. (laughs) I mean, I know they don't speak English, but you could figure out that this woman's in distress. You could maybe pick up on a couple of words, but they must be in Massimo's pocket because they see him and they're like, oh, hi, Massimo. (laughs) He can get away with whatever he wants on that island. And then we have the dinner scene where she's putting on makeup and trying to look sexy for him. You know, she starts playing his little game. And that dinner table, it's quite fantastic. A lot of grapes, a lot of platters full of fruit and grapes. It was just a grape overload and two different candelabras with like four candles per candelabra. That's a lot of candles. And in addition to those candles, you've also got other little candles little tea lights on the table, plus all around the pool. Candle budget, very high, very high. Oh, and she's got her laptop back and her phone. And she's like, yeah, mum, everything's fine. I've got a new job in Sicily. So she wakes up one morning and Don Massimo's sleeping in a bed. She just decides to go and have a big naked shower in this giant bathroom. I know the book made out like it was such a giant bathroom and I was like, that's ridiculous. Who needs such a giant bathroom? But looking at it, it's, it's quite glamorous. I do kind of want one of those big giant bathrooms with eight different shower heads. It looks gorgeous. But why she's just stripping off naked and going into the shower, uh, it's unclear to me. It's unclear. This man kidnapped you, but sure. So then Massimo wakes up, he joins her in the shower, but on, on a separate shower head. And she's checking him out. And you see his penis like not in all its glory but you see the curvature it's covered by a bit of thigh by all means it's quite impressive um i i I would i would watch that scene again and so would laura because he's talking to a band like oh we've got to go we've got some meetings out of town or some bullshit and she's she's not making eye contact she's just staring at the penis just really eyeballing it and massimo's like what are you staring at and then we get a wide shot with massimo's butt which, which is, which is a very nice butt. And he's like, what are you looking at, Laura? Meanwhile, I'm not looking at her small breasts. She's got a small breasts out and she's very proud of those small breasts. And Massimo's like, you're looking at it. Why don't you touch it? And she teases him for a bit, but then she walks away. And of course he, he violently grabs her neck and he's like, baby girl. And he starts threatening her about the dangers of blue balls. Meanwhile, the water's just running down their naked bodies. Just no water restrictions in, in Sicily. And we cut from that and we're on, we're on to the plane to go to Rome. So we don't have that bit where she runs to the motorboat and then doesn't escape, even though the keys are in the motorboat. We skip that. And we're at the bit where the security guards are carrying her kicking and screaming onto the plane. And then she's strapped to the seat with seatbelts. Like quite a number of seatbelts, just really tied, tied down on that plane. And then while she's restrained and powerless, Massimo starts pinching her nipples and, and oh gosh, and putting, putting his hand in her pants. Really, really going to town. Uh, it's, it's horrible to watch, horrible to watch. And then we're in Rome, you know, they have an ice cream by the Colosseum and Massimo's trying to have a meeting, but she's doing a lot of, a lot of ice cream work, you know, with, with just it dripping down her lips really making a mess of it. It's, it's, it's quite unpleasant to look at. And then off camera, she goes to bathe in the fountain. We don't see it happen, but they're like, oh my God, she's going to go bathe in the fountain. And then the next minute they're walking into the hotel and she's dripping wet. 
So funny. And then we have that scene in the hotel that Domenico owns and has furnished to his own liking because there's a big portrait of him with a lion. (laughs) And this is when he, you know, ships in the prostitute to bang her while she's tied to the bed. At least they're quite a distance away in this version. In the book, they were sort of doing it up against her, which I think is maybe a bit worse than what's happening here. Like, it's still wrong. It's still uh, really uncomfortable to watch. And she's just got a nipple showing the whole time. And I was like, oh God, can you not just scudge, scudge your body, just shift your body weight to make that dressing gown fall over your nipple? Just a bit of nipple coverage is all I'm asking for. And like, I know it's rated R, but they have to really commit to the R rating. And then just like the book, they go clubbing and she dresses up like a bit of a ganger to get her payback on him. And she doesn't even look like that much of a skank. Like in the book, it was such a huge deal about how short the miniskirt was. Like everyone could see her coochie cooch. But I guess it's pretty short. But in the movie, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. You'd see anybody wearing that out on a normal night out, I feel. Barely any coochie cooch. So this is when Massimo and all his little business friends are racking up. She doesn't seem to have a problem with drugs in the movie version. She's not like, oh my God, cocaine's the worst. But she does go and do the pole routine. The famous pole routine. And Massimo's like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't happening. And that guy that she's dancing with hits on her and he says, I'm going to fuck you so hard. You'll be sore when you sit down. (sighs) That's not a good pickup line. Why do people think that's a good pickup line? It's not. It's not. And then Massimo comes, he pushes him off, he draws his gun, and then we cut to like the next day. And that's when he mentions like, oh, Laura, I I shot his hands off just by the by. And they're on the boat. And that little scene must have had implications for Massimo's work, aka his mob life, because Mario is being like, do you know what you've done? Do you know how this is going to affect us? Just lots of Mario in this movie, much more Mario than I ever expected. But just focusing on him like he's a main character. So this is the boat scene where Laura's storming off away from Domenico being like, did you kill that guy last night? Did you kill him? And he's like, I just shot his hands off. Calm down. And Mario's watching it with a big close up. Just Mario, the king of this movie. Anyway, just skipped about like an hour and six minutes in if you want to see the boat scene. Oh my God, it's funny. She is just wearing these little baggy gray shorts. <laughs> And she's like, don't touch me. What are you doing? And she just flops over the boat. She just flops over. And Massimo dives in. Remember, this was meant to be like a heart episode that brought this on. But no, she just flops over. And he saves her and she's coughing up water. I don't think she can swim. That must be what the big deal is. But he's like, Laura, breathe, breathe. And she's like, oh, oh. And I was like, you just fell off a boat. Like it wasn't even moving. You didn't get sucked into the propellers. It's not cold water like in the Titanic. And then she wakes up and Massimo's there shirtless. He's always shirtless while she's waking up. I mean, I'm not complaining. He's very nice to look at. But she's like, you saved me. And he's like, you're lucky I was there. And I was like, yeah, she was running away from you on the boat. <laughs> you, you practically pushed her overboard because you were trying to restrain her and she was flailing about. <laughs> it's your fault that she fell in. And he's like, oh, you're so lucky that I was there to dive in and save you. And she's like, oh my God, you saved me. And this is meant to be the turning point for their relationship where she's looking at him with new eyes. It's like, uh, hello. The reason you fell off the boat was because he shot some guy's hand off because you were on a stripper pole. Like, let's get back to brass tacks here. Meanwhile, she's topless with the small tits and he's got his button of his pants already undone. And I guess she wants to thank him 
So, so she gives him a gobby and like you don't see it, but you kind of see it. Um, I don't know if she's sucking on something like a prosthetic penis perhaps, but you do sort of see glimpses of it. I'm here for it. And then we just get a really extended sex scene. Uh, of, oh, okay, he's going to town on her nipples. He's going to town on her special area. He's just going to town. She should be resting after her scary drowning incident, but no, he's, he's going to town. Very long sex scene, very long. And we, the reader, we know that she's getting pregnant right now. They dropped that whole contraceptive implant thing, by the way. And the whole tracker in the arm, tracker in the car. There's, there's a lot less talk about trackers and fake contraceptive implants. In the book, we had so much, so much attention paid to the pullout method. Not so in the movie. The pullout method has just been discarded. Pulled out on, you could say. And then from that little bang, it's just extended, extended sex scenes on the yacht. They're just doing it every, every position on every part of the yacht. The front of the yacht, the table of the yacht, the poop deck, the aft deck, the starboard deck on doggy style on this part of the thing. And then, oh, missionary over on that side of the boat. You'd think they'd be more careful since she'd just fallen off the boat. But no, they're doing, they're doing it every which way on every part of the boat. Oh, oh no. And, and you, I think you see balls at one point. I think you see balls, but very briefly. And it just doesn't end. It doesn't end. And then finally it ends. <laughs> it doesn't end, but then it ends. And she's naked sunbathing with her tits out. Anyway, then we have a montage of them getting ready for the ball. She's got two flamboyant gay men dressing her up. You know she loves the flamboyant gay men. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're like already an hour in. 
and we're only just getting to the Venetian Masquerade Ball. And there's not that long left. There's like 40 minutes left. And I'm thinking there's, there's not enough time for the wedding in Poland. It's not enough time for them to go back to Sicily, to then Poland, to then back to Sicily. It's just, we've got a lot of ground to cover. And I was thinking, what are they going to cut? Well, it turns out they cut most of the wedding and the ex-boyfriend and Martin delivering flowers to the receptionist. The whole her having a whole new apartment with all the different cars, with all the buttons, largely got dropped. But anyway, back in the present, we're at the Venetian Ball. It's not a film festival, it's just a ball. And she's not dancing with the scuba instructor. Remember the Polish scuba instructor that she did the dance with? He's not in the movie. So she's just dancing with Massimo, which makes more sense. Which makes more sense for an adaptation to just focus on the couple. And Massimo's not wearing a mask. That really shit me. It, it's a masquerade ball. Everyone else is wearing a mask and he's, he's not wearing a mask. What a party pooper. And yes, this is when we have his ex-girlfriend, Anna, being like, I'll kill you or take away whatever you want most. It's just another veiled threat that leads nowhere. And then we get another sex scene in a bathroom. Just, just a bathroom, banging on the bathroom sink, sex scene. Completely unnecessary. But at the end, he's like, oh, Domenico will take you to the airport tomorrow. See ya. And she's like, what? <laughs> and he says, oh, you're going to Poland. You said that you wanted to visit your family. So, you know, off you go. And she's annoyed. She's annoyed. I think she's feeling abandoned, but he's like, I'll join you there soon. And she's acting like he's done the worst thing in the world. She's like recoiling from his touch because he gave her her wish to send her back to Poland. It's some sort of abandonment narrative that I'm not buying into. And he says, I love you. And she barely reacts. And then the next day on the drive to the airport, she's moping. And Domenico's like, cheer up. But then something happens and Domenico's like, stop, because he gets a phone call and he says to her, wait in Warsaw. And the two cars pull over. I don't know why there was two cars. Anyway, the two cars pull over and Domenico gets out. He hops in the other car and drives off and she's on her own to the airport. Thank God there was that spare car. If there wasn't a spare car, they would have been in quite the pinch. So I assume it's at this point that Massimo gets shot or whatever or fakes his death. Unclear. But she doesn't see it. Remember. She's just gone straight to Poland instead of back to Sicily to have the heart surgery, to see him be shot on the news. We, we cut all of that and she's just at Poland, probably for the best. And then praise be, we get Olga. Praise be. And is she as fun as book Olga? I don't know, but she does swear a lot. She does swear a lot. She's quite fun. But she's not telling us about blonde guys with a rocket dick. And I, I really missed that. I missed her a little anecdotal hooker stories. But then we get a montage. This movie and the montages, it's a makeover montage. They're getting pampered at a spa. She's getting a haircut. She's getting that severe blonde bob. But her roots are still brunette. You would have thought that 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 hairdresser, that that fabulously gay hairdresser, he would have touched up her roots while he was doing her hair. But uh, I don't know. But then they're at a nightclub showing off the new blonde bob. It does look better on her. It makes her face less indistinct, I must say. And she's drinking champagne, her favorite, her favorite champagne. She does go a bit easier on the champagnes in the film adaptation, I believe. Anyway, Martin pops up and he's like telling her that he was pretty much drugged when he cheated on her back in Theomina. Anyway, she's like, I'm going home, Martin. Bye, Martin. And he catches the elevator down with her. And then next minute, She's at her apartment. So Martin really followed her the whole way. Still doesn't make sense to me. And she's like, go away, Martin. And I'm like, you obviously took him here. 
and Massimo's there waiting for her. God, this boring movie. The best parts are the sex scenes. So then they have reunion sex, even though what's it been, like two days? Two days maybe? At least in the book, you know, she went to the parents' farm. Did they live on a farm? I don't know, but I pictured a farm. She had like a big chunk of time without him. But I think it's been like two days and they're just clawing at each other. Just ravaging one another. He's got his hands all over her small breasts. As if it's been months. And then it's the next morning and she's sleeping on his chest. And then she's looking down at her hand on his chest. And I was like, oh, is this when she notices like the bullet wound marks? <laughs> Remember? Cause like Massimo had like all those bleeding wounds on his chest and she was like patching him up. But no, that's been dropped. She's looking at a ring on her finger. So he either proposed and she forgot about it or, or, or like he just put the ring on her finger while she was asleep and didn't actually ask. But now she's saying yes in the morning. She's like, oh, there's a ring on my finger. Yes. What a bizarre way to propose. You can't just slip the ring on someone's finger overnight. And also you have to wait till they say yes before you put the ring on the finger. Like that's part of the symbolism of the ring. So what do they do to celebrate? They have a shopping montage. Oh God, the montages in this film. And Massimo's so bored. In both montages where they're shopping, he was so bored. He's sitting there on his phone. Bored, bored, bored. But then she's showing a little coochie coo in her little short dresses. And he's like, all right, I'm enjoying myself a little bit. And so then she picks this like really skanky silver number and she's trying it on. And I think the whole audience and everyone watching it is thinking, wow, that's pretty skanky. Where's she going to wear that to? Jump cut. It's the wedding. She's wearing it at a cousin's wedding. We don't know that it's her cousin's wedding. That's unclear. They're just at a wedding. And then her mum's like, yoo-hoo, Laura over here. So she hasn't even seen her mum yet. She's been in Poland for how long? Hasn't seen her mum yet until they're at the wedding. Excuse me? <laughs> the whole point of you going back to Poland was to see your mum. And her mum's like, oh, hello, little blondie. <laughs> nice to see you. And her mum's not got the spunk that her book mum has. You know, book mum was like really a stand-in for Blanca herself, I believe. But this mum, she's just a bit bland. And Massimo's meeting the parents and he's like, I am a mobster. And they're like, ha ha ha, that's hilarious. And they're like, what are your intentions with our daughter? And he's like, the evil ones. I will kidnap and have sex with her all the time against her will. And they're like, oh God, this guy's hilarious. And then another really funny bit. <laughs> the bride and the groom are in their little like just married car. And the groom steps on the accelerator and the bride's like sitting up on the edge of the seats of the convertible. And as soon as he hits the accelerator, she like falls backwards with her legs up in the air. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. So go and have a look at that. That was funny. It's a, like an hour and 38. But then as that happens, as they drive off and she's got her legs up in the air comically, everyone else, all of the other wedding guest attendees uh, are like laughing and clapping because, because Laura caught the bouquet. Laura caught the bouquet. So this wedding just didn't have a reception. They just straight out of the church, just married, driven off. She's throwing the bouquet. Wedding over, no reception, no speeches, no ballroom dancing with their dance instructor. And everyone's cheering and clapping Laura because she caught the bouquet. Everyone's more happy for Laura than they were for the bride and groom. And then we're back on the boat. We're back on the bloody boat and Massimo's shirtless and he's standing at the front of the boat and she comes up behind him wearing his shirt, I presume, and she's hugging him and then they start making out at the front of the boat, which is just where she fell off not that long ago. I really don't think they're being safe. Meanwhile, they're making out and we can even see the captain 
and like his little sous captain. Is that what they're called? You know, like a chef, sous chef, captain, sous captain. Maybe not. Maybe the second in charge captain. What co-captain? That's what it is. So the captain and the co-captain are just staring, trying to drive, watching Massimo and his little chickadee making out at the bow. And we're back in Sicily. We're back at the mansion. So so much for Poland. And Massimo and Mario, they're having breakfast by the pool. And Laura comes over and he's like, eat something, Laura. And she's like, oh, I'm not hungry. I don't feel well. Pregnant. We all know it. And they're talking about their wedding plans. And how Massimo said no one from Poland's invited because Laura doesn't want any of them to know what Massimo does. It's like, okay, you can pretend to not be a mobster for like one day, Massimo. You know, just pretend you're in shipping and invite her family over ridiculous and she's like well if i can't have my family can i at least have my best judy olga and he's like sure do whatever you want so then we're left with mario and laura having breakfast and it's just the weirdest little scene and she's like i thought you didn't like me mario and he's like that's not true and she's like yeah nah i'm not blind you don't like me and he says it's nothing personal i just don't like this situation and i'm thinking oh mario you don't like the whole kidnapping a girl against her will and holding it for 365 days until she falls in love with him But no, he's just referring to the wedding, I believe. He doesn't like this interloper coming in on his family business. It's like, mate, she had no say in this. (laughs) She was kidnapped. It's not like she's intentionally sought out the mob boss to try and become like the head of the mafia and steal all of Massimo's money. She was just wandering around Taormina on her birthday and got kidnapped. So that was a little weird scene with Mario and Laura. So now I'm like, what's Mario's problem? Mario's got a bee in his bonnet. He's got to bug up his ass about Laura. And that led me to believe that maybe Mario was putting out the hit on Laura. I was getting sort of antsy vibes about Mario being a bit of a dodgy dealer. And that could still be the case, but it doesn't seem so. But I'm like, why are we, why are we building up this Mario character to be like the main character? So then we pick up Olga from the airport. She's like, holy fuck, look at the car. So, you know, classic Olga. And then she must tell her that she's pregnant. She's like, oh, you live in a gilded cage, Laura. Just, you know, dialogue ripped straight out of the pages of the book. And then we're wedding dress shopping. We're wedding dress shopping. And Olga's eating some little cream puff, something. She's eating something. And she's getting crumbs all over Domenico's pants. And he's, he's annoyed because, you know, he's a very stylish young man. And I don't think... This is Domenico's girlfriend because the wedding dress seamstress designer, whatever lady, she comes out, she seems a bit more matronly than, than is described in the book. So I'm not getting the vibe that Domenico is stooping this girl, but she comes out in a wedding dress. She looks pretty. She does look more attractive as a blonde. I mean, I'm sorry to all the brunettes out there, but blondes do have more fun. Although Olga is a brunette, so that doesn't really match up because no one's having more fun than Olga. And then they're driving back. Laura's not driving. She's just in the back seat with Olga while someone else is driving them. And Laura's like, you should really come and stay in Sicily. And Olga's like, okay. And so Laura goes to call Massimo. And then we cut to Mario. Mario's in the back seat of the car and hears someone say, they're about to kill Laura. And he's like, are you sure? And they're like, yes, we're sure. And then they hang up. And that's why I'm like, oh my God, Mario, what have you done? But then he's saying to, to the driver, Marco, he's like, Marco, go. Marco, go. And then we cut to Laura in the car. She's on the phone with Massimo and he's like, I miss you. And she's like, I miss you too, blah, blah, blah. And Mario, he's trying to ring Massimo as well, but, but it's busy because obviously he's on the phone with Laura. The tension is just so high and Mario's freaking out. He's like, drive Marco, drive. And Marco's still driving. Mario finally gets to the mansion and he's like, 
where's Domenico? And he starts running around looking for Domenico by the side of the pool. Laura's car goes into a tunnel, a tunnel on the cliffside. And Massimo's like, Laura, Laura, he can't get through. He's like, Laura, Laura, are you there? And Mario's like, Massimo, Massimo, just running, running after this guy. And then the car doesn't go out through the other side of the tunnel. That's the ticket. And then Mario finally catches up with Massimo and he's just like, meh. He just like does this little shrug looking at his phone. And Massimo is like, oh, she must be dead. So he just assumes that she's dead. And then he just sees the vision of her in the blue dress on the beach. Like she's in a shampoo commercial just with her hands running through her hair. And Massimo gets on his knees and he's crying. Like, Mario, you ran all this way and you didn't, you didn't say anything. Mario's like, Massimo, Massimo. And he gets to Massimo and he's like, meh. The sun's setting. Massimo's on his knees crying. And then we cut to the tunnel, the tunnel in the cliff. And there's a police car with little siren lights parked outside of it. And then we pan to the ocean. And in the ocean, there's, there's just a boat. I don't know if the boat has any significance, but there's a boat in the ocean and that's the last shot. So what the hell happened? In the book, she just gets a fender bender. But in the movie, it sort of seems like they killed her. I mean, we didn't see her die. So she's probably not dead. If she is dead, like what a, what a bummer way to end the film. <laughs> Very weird choice to make that the ending, unless they're pretty sure that they're going to get a sequel. I can imagine if you hadn't read the books and you watched the movie and you were like, what? How does it end? And like you bought the book and like quickly went to the last chapter to be like, how did it end? And then you're like, wait a minute, she's fine. <laughs> she's just fine. What a disappointment that would be. Anyway, that's, that's the film. Did I like it better than the books? <sighs> I, I guess I did because it was quicker and it had more penis and butt in it. Is it still like the worst thing in the world? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. Not enough Olga. And it still glorifies kidnapping and violence against women. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) So drum roll, please. It's time to announce the next book we'll be covering from next week. We're going to be starting Fifty Shades Darker by E.L. James. And I know that's probably not much of a surprise since I've sort of been hinting at that for weeks and like straight up saying like, probably going to cover Fifty Shades, (laughs) but we're going to cover Fifty Shades Darker, the squeakquel. If you haven't yet listened to my recaps of the first Fifty Shades book, that's available on the free feed. Just, you know, scroll back and you'll find it. To recap the last book, what happened? Well, not much really. Um, she, she went to go interview this billionaire guy and she tripped over and he was like, that's just the most charming thing ever. And so he decided to make her his little pet project. And so he was like, I want to date you, but also by date you, I mean not date you and just bang you. And you are my like property and you will want to serve me to please me. And that's all. I don't really care about your pleasure, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, sounds great to me. So she, she doesn't actually sign the contract. (laughs) She enters into contract negotiations whilst he starts tying her up and whipping her and putting her in this red room, this bloody red room. God, can't wait to get back into there. Meanwhile, he starts falling in love with her. She starts falling in love with him. And then she's finally sort of amping herself up to sign this contract. And she's like, hey, you know what? Why don't you like hit me really hard? We'll just like really go for it. Um, I want to see what this lifestyle's like. And he's like, okay, sounds good. And then he does it and she doesn't like it. And they break up at the end of the first book. So how there's a whole two other books, I'm not too sure. I'm assuming they get back together. I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. I have no clue. So I'm really looking forward to getting into it. So if you want to read along, go ahead and start reading Fifty Shades Darker. 
which is it's, it's such a dumb title as well, isn't it? Like she's established that there's Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, okay, I assume that some of those shades will be dark. And now she's saying, oh, it's Fifty Shades Darker. It's like, what do you mean? So we're talking about like one color gray that is now 50 shades darker than the previous color of gray. Are we counting the shades or are we, we using the amount of shades to differentiate between the spectrum of gray? I really don't know. I'm really looking forward to finding out. So I'll see you next week for the first chapter of 50 shades darker. I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.